tingling greetings everybody thank you so much for stopping by and making paranormal prowlers podcast part of your day it's greatly appreciated those tunes as always are courtesy of my good friend bobby Mackey, and i of course am your host tessa morrow for my arizona listeners i am currently in tombstone so come on over and join us for drinks at the oriental lenora wilcox Daisy Maud Hagland, Ida Wilcox, Blanche Tyndall, Viola Heaton, Maud Whitney, Earl Erdman, Frank Southard, C.A. Harrison, Ivan Flux, Eugene Wakelin, Claire Williamson, L.E. Raider. Mary Bailey, Ida Anderson, Robert Graham, and Fred Epson. What do these people have in common? They are victims of a sadistic serial killer named Linda Hazard, referred to as the Starvation Doctor. She was quite the wolf in sheep's clothing. Now, this episode has to do more with the bizarre woman that is Linda Hazard, and not so much on the paranormal. But, you know, Linda Hazard, she was an extremely heinous and hazardous woman. Her last name could not be more accurate. She was a straight-up hazardous woman. She was the first practitioner to conduct the starvation cleanse of patients over in Washington. She strongly believed that if her patients only had vegetable broth for a month and a half, mind you, or even longer than this, that they would be able to be cured from any type of illness that they suffered from. Fear no more, God's beverage vegetable juice will cleanse you from all illness and all disease. And I mean it, it did not matter if you had tuberculosis, the bubonic plague, flu, cancer. She was so cocky, she was so confident and sure of herself that her special remedy would do the trick for anything that you had. Anything. Hazard's ex-convict husband Samuel and her, they opened up the sanitarium. Appropriately, or maybe inappropriately? They call it Starvation Heights Sanitarium. They start advertising this so-called miraculous treatment, and the word spreads kind of like wildfire, and people start to come out of the woodwork. Linda Hazardous Hazard was so believable that these people praised God and saw hope that she could be behind their healing path. People with tuberculosis were like, wow, can I actually breathe without it hurting again. Yes, possibly because of Linda Hazard. 
Well, instead of being healed and going home and living their lives with their family and friends, they would be taking away from their families, like sanitariums tend to do, and the sad reality would be because they were given only broth and maybe a little bit of fruit, they would grow weaker and weaker and weaker each and every day. They no longer resembled themselves. They were walking skeletons. So they became feeble-minded, mentally unfit. Anybody would. Linda would step in at this point and force them to sign over the power of attorney to her. So guess what? Once they died in her care, she had complete and utter control. And this is terrifying. So many would perish this horrific way. You heard the names that I just said moments earlier. Talk about a slow, agonizing, painful death. Starvation. And she had not one single success story about her so-called starvation cleanse. Instead of success, recovery, and healing, she left a bloody, messy trail of victims. The first death connected to Linda that we know of when it has to do with the starvation diet was Lenora Wilcox. The second victim, Daisy Haglin, follows that same year. Her cause of death on the death certificate it specified that it was stomach cancer. She was not able to really eat anymore anyways, but Linda sure helped her to the grave. No doubt about it. Ida Wilcox, she also passes away. All these three deaths are in 1908. Three deaths, one year, unbelievable. The same would happen in 1909. Three more victims would be claimed. One year, Blanche Tyndall, Viola Heaton, Eugene Wakelin. The latter, Eugene, he was actually found with a gunshot wound to the head. The man was murdered. In other words, they were all murdered, but you could see with this gentleman, this individual right away, okay, this was foul play. What the hell happened here? In 1910, three more victims follow. Maude Whitney, Earl Erdman, and politician for the state of Washington, L.E. Rader. In 1911, she does not take a break, and four people die. Frank Southard, C.A. Harrison, Ivan Flukes, and Claire Williamson will all die before the year ends. In 1912, Mary Bailey, Ida Anderson, Robert Graham, and Fred Epson, they all die. Seventeen victims, at least. There's probably more. We may never know the total number of those that died due to this horrific broth diet cleanser of a treatment. More like a torturous ritual. Two British wealthy sisters, they come to America on vacation. And while here they become ill and they hear about this diet, it seemed too good to be true, right? They hear that she has healed people. Perhaps she could heal them as well. So these two gals, they reach out to Linda and Samuel Hazard, and a treatment plan is discussed. The two sisters promise the other 
that they will not share this treatment plan with their family, their friends, nobody, what they're doing. Because Claire and Dorothea, they, you know, kind of feared that the family would persuade the girls not to go through with such a silly thing and convince them to seek alternative healing methods and practices. So, okay, weeks go by and no word of either sister. You know, it's like, yeah, they're on holiday, they're on vacation, they're out of the country, they're they're having fun, hopefully. But it's very uncharacteristic of them, not like these two girls, just to ghost everyone in their lives. Like, I go on vacation, I, I'm on vacation right now in Tombstone, and I still talk to people. I mean, like, you know, it just, it didn't add up. So where did the Williamson sisters go? As each day goes by and no word from the girls, everyone gets a little bit more worrisome. Family, friends, locals alike. Where did they go? Little did they know that the two sisters were being held at a sanitarium and being starved to death. And in their weak state, the extremely wealthy ladies, they signed the POA to the serial killer. It's like a bad movie, right? Not even in their worst nightmare did they think this would be the case with Claire and Dorothea. Linda, drunk and high off power, refuses to let the two desperate girls leave. They belong to her. Somehow, someway, Claire manages to get a letter sent out to their childhood nanny, a woman named Margaret. She since is located to Australia, so imagine it took some time to get to her. In the letter, Claire basically begs for Margaret's help, begging her to come out and help them. The loyal nanny does not waste one ounce of a second, and she does hop on the next available boarding ship. Bless her heart. When she finally arrives, she finds out that Claire, the woman who sent the letter to her, mind you, has since died. Dorothea, she is alive, but she's barely hanging on. She's weak. She's ill and is still on Linda Hazard's toxic broth cleanse. Margaret becomes somewhat of a nurse to the girl she helped raise when she was a child, and she eventually is successful with leaving and being able to take the ailing Dorothea with her. Now, the surviving sister is soon eating solid foods again, and she begins to gain some very much needed weight and strength, and she does miraculously recover. Margaret and Dorothea, they go to the British consul in Washington. He, in return, convinces the prosecutors to press the very much needed charges against Linda and Samuel Hazard. She ultimately serves two years for the death of Claire Williamson, literally a slap on the wrist, who at the time of death, Claire only weighed a little less than 50 pounds. So that's, that's mind blowing to me, meaning that this serial killer got away with murdering at least 17 people. Linda blamed cirrhosis of the liver as Williamson's cause of death. Never mind that a 13-year-old weighed more than this grown woman at the time of her death. Washington revokes the mad woman's medical license, but she continues with her broth regimen, and people are crazy enough to still go to her. 
And at some point, her and Samuel, they relocate to New Zealand, where they continue to take in patients. Who knows the deaths that may have occurred over in New Zealand? Like, seriously. 17 is the number that we at least know about. But there's probably so many other victims out there. They soon come back to Washington, where with the money that they receive while in New Zealand, they open up a sanitarium. It burns to the ground in 1935. Fast forward to 1938, Linda Hazard herself, she gets sick. And she does not go to a hospital. She does not seek medical help. She goes on her broth diet. And even though she saw several people die from this, that did not stop her. And she herself dies from starvation. I don't know. I mean, karma, my friends, right? So now... Some may argue that she truly believed in this broth remedy, or why would she do it herself? And, you know, maybe because she did write books even about it, and she was surely a believer about it. But my argument is this. Remember, she made these weak people sign over power of attorney to her. She took their money, their valuables, everything they owned. She would not let them leave the sanitarium once they were there. And she never let them go on their free will. I mean, come on. So when Claire died, Linda, get this, took it upon herself to take the dead woman's diamond rings, keeping them for herself. You know, those are probably items that should have probably gone to the surviving sister Dorothea, or at least their family. The sick woman that is Hazard even takes Claire's gold fillings out of her mouth and sells them to a local dentist. I mean, utterly disgusting. Linda and Samuel Hazard are straight-up serial killers. So I talked a bit about one of the victims, obviously that being Claire Williamson. There's a couple others that I was able to find a bit more info on. One of the 1910 victims, a gentleman named Earl Edward Erdman, he was a civil engineer out of Seattle. He actually kept a rather detailed journal about his stay here at Starvation Heights. And I want to read these journal entries to you because it's really important. It gives you an inside look of what the so-called cure was all about. And just think of if this was all you were able to eat or drink for, for not just a day or two. I've done that before. Hey, I need to lose weight. I'm going to go on a cleanse. I do my water with my lemon and maple syrup and cayenne pepper, and I just drink that for a day or two. And I'm hangry by the end of it. Like, seriously, I'm like Chris Farley in one of those SNL skits. I can't imagine just doing this for several weeks. So, and of course, this does end with his death. February 1st, saw Dr. Hazard and began treatment this date. No breakfast. Mashed soup dinner, mashed soup supper. February 5th through 8th, one orange breakfast. Mashed soup dinner, mashed soup supper. February 9th through the 11th, one orange breakfast. Strained soup dinner, strained soup supper. February 12th, one orange breakfast, one orange dinner, one orange supper. February 13th, two orange breakfast, no dinner, 
no supper. February 14th, one cup of strained tomato broth at 6 p.m. February 15th, one cup hot strained tomato soup night and morning. And it's now here on the 16th day of this truly bizarre cleanse that we start to see him mentioning aches, pains, just not feeling good. February 16th, one cup hot strained tomato soup a.m. and p.m. Slept better last night. Head quite dizzy. Eyes yellow, streaked, and red. February 17th. I ate three oranges today. February 19th. Called on Dr. Dawson today at his home. Slept well Saturday night. February 20th. Ate strained juice of two small oranges at 10 a.m. Dizzy all day. Eight strained juice of two small oranges at 5 p.m. February 21st, ate one cup settled and strained tomato broth. Backache today just below ribs. February 22nd, ate juice of two small oranges at 10 a.m. Backache today and right side just below the ribs. February 23rd, Slept but little last night. Ate two small oranges at 9 a.m. Went after milk and felt very, very bad. Ate two small oranges at 6 p.m. February 24th. Slept better Wednesday night. Kind of frontal headache in the a.m. Ate two small oranges at 10 a.m. Ate one and a half cups of hot tomato soup at 6 p.m. Heart hit up to 95 minute and sweating considerably. February 25th, slept pretty well Thursday night. Ate one and a half cups tomato broth 11 a.m. Ate one and a half cups tomato broth at 6 p.m. Pain and right below ribs. And his last entry, February 26th, did not sleep so very well Friday night. Pain and right side just below ribs and the back. Pain quit in nighttime. Ate one and a half cups tomato broth at 10.45 a.m. Ate two and a half plump oranges at 4.30 p.m. Felt better afternoon than for the last week. And obviously it went majorly downhill from there. And he does die March 28th. So a little over a month after this last entry in his journal which gives you, again, just this inside look of this torturous method this crazy woman did. Another victim, he was Lewis Emerson Raider, better known as L.E. Raider, serving in the Washington House of Representatives. He had become ill, and he was turned on to this 29-day fast. He obviously did not make the 29 days fully, and he does die. So a mini timeline on the events that took place here. 1902, Linda abandons her husband and children to become a doctor. 1904, Linda marries Sam Hazard. 1908, three people die. 1909, three more people die. 1910, yet again, three more people die. 1911, Four people die, one of those being Claire Williamson, in which her sister and nanny ring her death to light 
to the British consul. 1912. Four more people die. 1913 to 1915. Linda is imprisoned at Walla Walla. Her sentence is 2 to 20 years. For reasons unknown. Woman fast, doctor. Released on parole. The state prison board has granted a parole to Mrs. Linda Burfield Hazard, fasting specialist, to become effective December 26th upon the completion of the two-year minimum of her manslaughter sentence. 1915. Early release for this serial killer. 1916. For reasons completely unknown, for one bizarre reason, Linda Hazard receives a full pardon by then-Governor Ernest Lister. Sometime there, around after that, she does go to New Zealand, where she does another sanitarium. She comes back, she does some more treating, and then in 1938, Linda dies. Cause of death? Starvation. The building where she conducted her torturous method stands to this day, and many believe it to be extremely haunted. Someone who once lived here shared that they once found all the kitchen chairs stacked up against the bathroom door. And it wasn't like that just moments earlier. And yet another past resident claims to have seen the spirits of Linda's poor victims sitting in the loft. People have also heard desperate cries coming from the building, crying out for help. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others. They're all pretty awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry, just hit up any of those awesome podcast platforms such as Deezer, GeoSavin, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you may roam to listen to your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Brothers Podcast lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Cebu City, the Philippines, Berkeley, California, Buxton, England, Albany, New York, and Eau Claire, Wisconsin. As always, it's greatly appreciated. Please be sure to stop by next Monday for the brandest, newest of episodes. Have an idea of your own for an episode. Throw an email my way at paraprowl at gmail.com, or you could always hit me up in a message at my Paranormal Prowlers podcast page on Facebook. Thank you guys, and we will see you next week.